Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. Did you mention the BAFTA, Laura? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll wait. Oh, that's we'll so wait. good. We'll wait. We won't do it straight away. I said to you, should we leave it for a minute? Yeah, all right. Okay. okay. We'll come back to that. Come back to it. Welcome to Painting of the Week. Um... And um, for those of you who are, are, are kind of listening to us in seasons, this is actually the first episode of our third season. And we know we are listened to all around the world, so that's fantastic. And thank you all very, very much for, for listening and sending in your suggestions, uh, many of which, or some of which, because we get a lot, we're going to be... Um, addressing over the weeks to come. Um, and in fact, the one we're going to start with today was a suggestion. Um, and I'm afraid I can't see by who. But never mind. Just write it on. But thank you very much if it was you. Yes, um, I want to definitely thank the person. This is a uh, painting by Laura Knight. And it's called Ruby Loftus Screwing a Breach Ring. And if you go to the 7th-art.com website and click on podcast and click on this particular one, then the picture will reveal itself and you can have the picture up while you're listening to, to us talk about it. And I suspect, though, when you first heard the name, you might not necessarily have recognised it. I think when you see the picture, you might think, ah, yes, I've seen that. Um it's actually quite a well-known picture, though I've learned quite a lot about Laura Knight since we decided to uh, focus on this picture. Um, this was painted in 1943, and um, basically this is uh, uh, depicts a woman called Ruby Loftus, um, and she's working in Newport, Wales, in a in an ordnance factory at an industrial lathe, and she's cutting the screw of a breech ring uh, for an anti-aircraft gun, a Bofors anti-aircraft gun. And this was highly skilled work. Um, obviously, I guess the men who used to work in this factory before the war are, are off fighting. So women are now um, being employed, and that, of course, would change things, perhaps not as much as it should have done, but it certainly changed things after the war too. Um, one point of interest is that it normally took eight to nine years of, a, of an apprenticeship to reach this level, this technical level, because it's highly skilled. And apparently Ruby was one of three who, after less than two years, was able to, um, to do this work effectively. So that's a little bit about the narrative. Um, Laura. Yeah. Well, this in, picture that you knew, I, I didn't really know. It. No, but I think I did say to you, Phil, that I was walking around town the other day and I saw it in somebody's. A couple, I think mm. I've seen it in two people's windows. Mm. And I need to, if anyone did listen as to why it was in the windows, and I wondered if it was to do with, with the fact that we're sort of like the Ukraine war. And then my head was a bit like, well, if you think, she had to learn this skill so quickly compared to what normally, you know, the, the normal time frame, 
Is it then due? I wondered if it was due. I mean, I don't think so. The fact that we had COVID. And so therefore, instantly, someone had to invent a vaccine as quickly as possible. So when it came down to it, do you need to spend eight years <laughs> learning to do something when you actually could have done it in two? Although if I was Ruby to be, I would have been not very good at this job. I would have gone for one of the sewing jobs because her, if she'd got that wrong, the um, gun could have been destroyed once it was fired and therefore... Could have exploded, yeah. Yeah, taking somebody's life. I mean, so, it, it, I'm not good at that stuff. It could also be... I mean, I, I think my kids probably wouldn't be surprised to see, and why should they, you know, a woman doing this type of work. Yeah. But maybe for yes. older generations... It's a symbol of what we take, you know, it's obvious really, but what women are capable of. A strong woman doing a highly technical job. Yeah. But And I mean, also there's painted by Laura Knight, Dame Laura Knight, mm. who was the official wartime artist. And I did say that to you, just certainly got I never thought about it and thought, well obviously I suppose all the men weren't around. But it's a bit weird that she she did actually she was quite a force, I believe, on Laura. <laughs> well, I think, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think this is a bit of a problem, which is that... So our film on Mary Cassatt addresses mm. this, that um, if you... You know, the Impressionists are, I would say, undoubtedly the most popular genre in the history of art. Still today, you know, everyone loves the Impressionists. Well, most people love the Impressionists. And if you ask people to name an Impressionist, it will be a male. Yes. Probably yeah. very few would, would even mention Bert Morisot or um, Mary Cassatt. And I think part of that is because they were women and because they've been overlooked for being women. We've just made, as you know, a film about Edward Hopper. But actually the film about Edward Hopper is actually a film about Edward and Joe Hopper. Right, yeah. She basically was the more successful artist when she met him in 1920, well, when they became boyfriend-girlfriend in 1923. And effectively, she got him his first proper exhibition. Right. At which point, his career takes off and hers doesn't, to the extent that, you know, she's, she, there's, there's exhibitions where she's not invited to. I mean, she's just treated very poorly while she's alive. Because she's a woman, even though she's highly, highly instrumental in Hopper's own career and was a very good artist in her own right. And then afterwards, after her death and his death in the late 60s, you know, people kind of basically ignored her. We're, we're kind of putting that right a little bit in our film. Mm. Um, and again, it's purely because she's a woman and it's obviously quite wrong. Um, so, so Laura... Dame Laura Knight. Yeah. I'm going to stick with that. So she, I, I'm, let me tell you, I didn't know her, of course. <laughs> Normal service has been resumed. <laughs> the podcasting life Laura, of Laura. Laura, I told you. <laughs> I don't know any of that. <laughs> no, 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 but I didn't know her. And uh, anyway, she was one of the, she's the youngest uh, person to go to the Nottingham School of Arts. And she went when she was 13. She got in. Okay. But one of the things she actually hated and was really kind of livid about was that she wasn't able to go into life drawing classes because she was a woman. Oh, yeah. She was 
uh, you know, had to use plastic casts and things like that to yeah. draw from. And yeah. then a lot of people are saying, well, that made her into a better artist. And I did think to myself, wow, you know, this last few weeks with the Commonwealth Games mm. and then the uh, European Championships for the women, mm. wouldn't it be wonderful if she was here now to see how inclusive that had become mm. and mm. the things that it was... I mean, it felt like a really good time the last few weeks for women. But, I mean, she did make a bit of an inroad to be the official artist. And then later on, when she was a dame... She became 19... Oh, no, no, it wasn't later on. 1936, she became the first woman to become fully elected to full membership of the Royal Academy. So she did really... Did really sort of make some inroads. So she's already a dame when she does this painting, Mm. then? Because I think she... I think she... Well, I don't really know. I need to know. I wish I could sit through hours. Well, I haven't got hours, unfortunately. She was the first woman... I mean, I made a note here. She was the first woman to be elected to full membership of the Royal Academy since 1769. Mm. Isn't that absurd? Mm. Her, her 1965 retrospective at the Royal Academy was the first for a female artist. Mm. So she was really taken... I think she was, you know, she was, she was obviously really well looked upon. But again, with, you know, Mary Cassatt, same, it was basically the same time, but yes. living in Paris, she refused to ever have anyone call her a female artist. Mm. And actually, even I have to be careful now when I talk about the film, not to say, oh, yeah, the, the female impressionist. Because mm. I would never say the male impressionist, no. would I? No. It's no. a language thing. Sometimes we, we fall into these little traps. And she was quite right. You don't call me a female impressionist. I'm an impressionist. Impression, I'm a yeah. painter. Mm. I'm an artist. Mm. Um, mm. But, I mean, let's take a look at the picture. It mm. is... And the, um, oh, somebody was, um, a friend of mine was pointing out a picture, which is a huge picture, um, of a, of a, of an aircraft hurricane being built. Anyway, but these kind of really detailed pictures are very impressive, actually. Oh, they are. When you start looking at them. Yeah, they are. I mean, she spent three weeks, didn't she, painting this, doing Mm. sketches and going back in. Uh, Ruby herself later described how Laura Knight was very taken with the blue, the red, the green, that she, that she was genuinely wearing. Um, Same sort of colours, isn't it, every time? But actually, genuinely, like you say, when you actually look at that painting, it's, it is a lovely painting. I'm not... It's like a photograph. I'm not entirely sure that it would have been one that I would have gone, oh, yeah, I really like mm. that. Now I've looked at... <laughs> this is what happens all the time with me. Now I've looked at Laura Knight's work... Mm. which I now love. And then you look at some of her other things, she's done some sort of real well, acrobat pictures and clown things because she was quite a... She did like, apparently, to do the odd backflip. <laughs> she was quite something. It is interesting, that, though, isn't it? Because when I was a kid, we used to get um, a magazine called... Um, oh, what was it called? Anyway, it was like an, an educational magazine. What? About art or... Folk, no, 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 like... just, just the world. Anyway, oh, right. It had these kind of illustrations. Not the National um, Geographic? No, 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 okay. no. Um, Oh, and of course I used to watch Blue Peter, which, mm. which for those of you who don't live in Britain was a British oh, kids' programme. In program. that case then, okay, Phil, I need to ask you, have you got a Blue Peter badge? No. But you're sitting here... <laughs> well done! 
Brilliant. With link. a BAFTA. Brilliant link. <laughs> I got a much bigger badge. I love it. Well done. The fact that we are now three in this podcast. I know. And the phone is actually on. Bertie BAFTA. <laughs> well done. Well mentioned. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, yes. We, uh, <laughs> the thing I've, is, it I've, hasn't changed you, Phil, because you've still made me a cup of tea. I'd forgotten all about it. <laughs> I did like your idea of signing off my name now as P. Grabsky, comma, B-A-W. Yeah, definitely. BAFTA award winner. BAFTA award winner. I was super excited. Yes, to people. Come, to come around today and we, see. We, since, uh, between season two and season three, much <laughs> excitement there has, has there has been. And one of our films won a BAFTA for Best Single Documentary and was also nominated for... Some, Almost as happy about for best photography. Oh, okay. Because perfect. My photography, just to swing it back very nicely back to art. My photography and cinematography has definitely been influenced and impressed—not impressed, improved—by studying paintings. So, would you then have studied a painting like that, which is more of a photograph? Okay, so I tell you. So, what I was going to say was, mm. Blue Peter used to do these stories mm. and would have these kind of illustrations. And uh, I was reminded of this recently when I was making the Hopper film because he, for a while, was an illustrator. Mm. These illustrators are absolutely fantastic. And they were, this, this is the kind of thing... So I would look at this and I would... Um, I think it was technically good and mm. it was narratively interesting, but I might not have spent too much time on it. no. So that's why I like the fact that people, you know, make these suggestions, yes. which force us to take a bit more oh, time. Oh, oh, it's made me very happy. And then, like you say, we then start looking at some of the other work of Laura Knight. Mm. And, I mean, her, her the, the Nuremberg trial. I know, and, that's um, a, and there's a good story with that as well, because she, like I say, she was a bit of a force, and they tried to make her sit in the artist's uh, sort of area... But she was having none of that. And so she decided, she asked if she could sit in the old broadcasting box, which was up high. Because I think quite a lot of her paintings she did like to do. This is, this is for the main trial of yeah. the Nazi criminals, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. You'd think you would be a slightly over... Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know me, I feel I'm always getting... I get myself in a muddle over everything. But the fact that she was, like, having none of it. No, I'm not sitting there. I'm going to go and sit up high to look down... And do my painting, and, and and I mean, it is quite a painting, another one. You know, something that, that, that I imagine when she was sitting there doing it that she never thought in a million years that she'd be sitting in that area doing that. And also, you've got to get it right, haven't you? You can't well, I mean, she, mess but, that up. But being a war artist, because mm. there's other ones of, of, you know, my aunt, for example, used to do the, um, up in North London, uh, used to you know, help put the barrage balloons up. Yeah. And I remember, because my aunt, it's a funny story, but my aunt used to have really strong arms, really strong biceps. <laughs> and, um, well, at least my mum used to talk about her sister having really strong biceps. Maybe when I knew my aunt, she didn't. But anyway, but obviously, but her job was putting these barrage balloons up, which would force the planes, the German planes, to go higher. Anyway, whatever. Um, but there's a great picture of that. Yeah. And then there's, you know... There's a balloon the... site in Coventry, 1943. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, I love it. And then the women, are the you know, were looking after the um, 
keeping track of planes as they go to Germany or there's dogfights over the channel and then there's another one inside a bomber. I mean, these are great records. Mm. Yeah. Um, and to, to be chosen as the artist for Nuremberg mm. shows, you know, what what she was, you know, how highly was she was uh, respected at the mm. time. Yeah, she was, well, clearly, yeah. But that, that painting yeah. was an instant success. Oh, well, when, when was it first shown then? So it was at the uh, Royal Academy, 30th of April 1943, at the Summer Exhibition. Which, incidentally, is interesting because mm. we're in the middle of the war, but they're still having the Summer Exhibitions. Yeah. We can forget that. It's like the National Gallery. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? The National Gallery um, took all their paintings, funny enough, to Wales, right. put them into a slate mine, hid them all, mm. but they would have one masterpiece on display that people would come to see. And famously, they had this wonderful, she was a female pianist, who would play at the National Gallery at lunchtime. So it became this thing to go to the National Gallery, listen to this music, look at this one painting, um, rather than just closing the whole thing down. Yeah. And obviously the Royal Academy... Um, there's a great, you showed me that great um, news footage. I know. I mean, it, I've been in and out, I've been in, in that front door of the Royal Academy so many mm. times. I've filmed that same exterior so many times. Mm. And there it is, 1943. Yeah, because the next day after the painting was shown, it was in eight British newspapers and then there was a couple of newsreels, which I believe they recorded a f like a few days before. Oh. But when we looked at it, it's still, I love it so much, and I honestly say, if you're going to look at anything, just have a little <laughs> look at this newsreel, because Laura Knight goes in with Ruby, and obviously maybe the director or whatever, yeah, the Royal yeah. Academy, and then he gets out his little silver cigarette case, offers her a cigarette, takes one himself, <laughs> and then they proceed to have a cigarette and like sort of waft, waft it around, around the painting. Can you imagine that happening today? No. We'd be tackled to the ground. <laughs> the alarms would all go off. Ruby, to her credit, I would say, says no thank you. She does. I, I don't smoke. She does. Well, she's, yeah, I don't blame her either. I mean, Laura Knight, I mean, yeah. she, lived, she lived to 1970. Yeah, she's, yeah. She was 93. So the cigarettes didn't yeah. do any harm. In fact, her period is, again, just because Hopper's in my mind. I mean, he's 1882 yeah. to 1967. She's just a couple of years extra either side. But she must have seen that. Her, she must have seen women progressing quite a lot, even though I'm saying about the last month. Oh yeah, by 1970. Yeah, yeah. so she would have, I think, possibly quite pleased, maybe, that yeah, during sure. her life that things had, had you know, come that far, and with her own achievements as well. You know, the whole Royal Academy thing and stuff like that, which, you know, is quite something. I mean, it's still obviously a very male-dominated society, but. Mm. She's commissioned, isn't she, by the mm. War Artists Advisory Committee in the Second World War, um, which was started by Sir Kenneth Clarke, who, who was the director of the National Gallery, but also made that series Civilizations, which is great. BBC something else for me to watch. <laughs> Civilization, I should say. The BBC recently tried, well, two, three years ago, tried to, well, did remake it as Civilizations okay. with three presenters, and it was a real hodgepodge. It was a real, wasn't, I, you know, no. the single point of view from Sir Kenneth Clark. while, yes, there's areas he overlooked, but it was just, you know, despite it being made maybe 50 years, 60, even 60 years ago, it was the stronger series. Um, I should have asked you, Phil. No. Okay. <laughs> um, although, actually, there is a, I'll tell you who should have presented it. 
is um, the, 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 the art correspondent for the Times. She'd have been a fantastic presenter. Um, we've used her and or we've interviewed her for our films a couple of times. Anyway, oh, brilliant. back to, back to um, yeah. Laura Knight. So mm-hmm. one of the things I thought was quite interesting was that people who have worked in factories with this machinery say that it is absolutely spot on. Right. And, you know, it's worth just taking a second to look. And I always remind people of this in the in the podcasts. You know, Laura Knight is starting with a blank piece of two-dimensional canvas. Mm. And yet when you look at this, it is so three-dimensional. Yeah. It's really, I mean, the perspective is absolutely brilliant. So from the bottom left, right through to the, the you know, the actual... Um, breaching itself i mean you totally totally believe the space that she you know that, that she's created um yeah. the background is slightly less convincing i have to say they're not quite as well drawn the people at the back doing their doing their thing but i think they're just filling in the background it's not really that that important it's beautifully I, I done that actually i love i love engineer like an piece of machinery like that love a bit of machinery me i I do don't you (laughs) it fascinates me i just think yeah i'd like to i would i'd like to have a go and i don't want to do it for because of the the whole you know someone dying i i just i mean i for me i just think oh you know she's got no goggles on she's got no hearing no that's true i just think what it must be such a tough job especially with the sparks or i mean i mean that's is that no. Yeah. Is that sparks coming out? Yeah. Is it water? I don't know. A bit of both. Okay. It's yes. like, I mean, I love going to Manchester and some of those fantastic mill buildings, but actually it only takes a split second to think, oh, it must have been miserable. Oh, yeah. To work in those buildings. Especially yeah. as the, when the heat's been going recently. Can you imagine how hot you would be? Well, yeah. Well, imagine people, you know, who work in those type of mills in, in India or Pakistan or mm. Bangladesh now. It must be just dreadful. Mm. But I do love the stories behind all these paintings. I really do. And I do think every time I see a painting now, I've just got to, I've got to make sure that when I go into these, any of these places, I have to know these stories. I can't just wander about without mm. knowing now. Well, I mean, it goes to show, doesn't it, that, that, that you've got to be careful not to focus on those artists that you know. Definitely not. <laughs> and actually start thinking about, you know, actually... And in a way, that's why Painting of the Week's good, because we'll introduce, you know, we'll, Laura Knight is a good example. You might not have heard of Laura Knight, possibly, almost probably haven't, but worth a look. Can't do Leonardo, Michelangelo, Raphael, Vermeer every week. No. Um, actually, I have to say, I've been quite surprised the amount of people who haven't heard of Edward Hopper, so they'll, they'll enjoy it. You know, it's actually, it's actually quite funny you say that, because I, <laughs> funnily enough, did know him, which is a, a relief to you, Phil, but it is funny that, uh, you know, there are so many of the back. It's actually nice that people do admit it, that That's... you don't have to keep on saying that you know everything. Absolutely. I don't know Laura Lai. I didn't, and now I'm telling you, I, I, my pages of notes, as you can see, Phil, didn't really worry. I'm not bothered about particularly interested in guns, but my notes about Laura... By the way, I hope mm. you keep your notes in a file. <laughs> well, <laughs> because you should. Yeah. Because they're they're multicoloured genius. <laughs> I 
I did get new pens and a new pad. Got a new rhino pad. See, my dad spent his life with his top left pocket of his jacket, as you, as, as you, um, for him, his top left. And he had different coloured pens in it. Oh. And I used, to say, I used to say, what? He said, well, I've got, I've got a system. So blue for this, red for that, green for that. And it's exactly what you've got. <laughs> oh, well, I did get a, new, a couple of new pens, you see. But one of them is that I got the luminous, yeah, it didn't work. But anyway, that's fine. I should work on some more. Oh, I'll keep them because one day they'll be valuable. I'm oh, sure. I'm sure they will, yes. <laughs> they just, you know, I keep yeah, coming yeah. back to Hopper, but they only recently kind of cleared out the attic of his childhood house. Oh, I wish I'd been there for that. Oh, they found absolute gold dust in there. Did they? Absolute gold dust, so... How old was he when he started painting? Was he old? or No, no, he started. I mean, he started when he was seven, eight years old. He started very young. So did they find... Hey, not that, not yet, not that young. They, found, they, they got did some early sketches, some early works, yeah. Wow. Um, they found letters from a girlfriend that he did, really? they, didn't, they didn't know he'd had and all sorts. Oh, you have to watch the film. Yeah, well, that's and the job for me. For those of you that want to um, see this painting, it hangs to this mm. day at the Imperial War Museum, um, which is clearly one of London's great museums. Um, and thoroughly recommend. And of course, uh, if you have a little wander around seventh-art.com, then there are, well, there's 40 other podcasts to keep you occupied, <laughs> 250 films you can stream and download, and all sorts of other goodies. Fridge magnets, I believe, are, I know. are going well at the, have you, <laughs> at the moment. Are you expanding those for, for Christmas? I think we'll sell out, sell out the ones we've made first. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back very Next soon. <laughs> Hi. I hope you enjoyed that episode of uh, Painting of the Week. Um, this is uh, season three of uh, the podcast, so I would uh, thoroughly advise, recommend, like, uh, if you would go to have a listen at season one and season two, because there's another 20 in each. Obviously, don't listen to them all. You'll be absolutely sick to death of uh, Laura and I. But um, there's some absolutely beautiful paintings that we talk about, uh, which are worth looking at either, as you know, via the seventh-art.com website or you can actually also watch them on youtube where you can hear the podcast and see the painting um so enjoy thank you for listening to the painting of the week podcast for more information please visit our website at seventh-art.com or contact us by emailing info at seventh-art.com see you next time